Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Good morning. Welcome to all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here today. Man, it's so good to see everybody. Uh, This week, uh, Friday, is Veterans Day, so if you are a veteran across all of our campuses or online, we just want to say thank you. Can we give it up for our veterans? Thank you so much for your time, your lives, your service. We're grateful. Excited about this new series for November, The Genius of Generosity. Here's where we're going over the next few weeks today, Generous in Giving. Next week, we're going to talk about generous in heart. Week three, we're going to talk about generous in in gratitude. Today, generous in giving, our favorite subject, right? Um, uh, Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, Two men, they're stranded on a desert island. One of the guys is pacing back and forth, looking for logs for making an SOS sign. The other guy... He's got his hands back behind his neck, and he's sitting down sunning. And the guy that's freaking out turns to the guy, and he says, hey, man, dude, aren't you afraid we're going to die? Are you going to help me? The other guy says, man, I make a million dollars a week, and I tithe to my church faithfully. My pastor will find me. (laughs) That is so true. So true, man. I will find you. Not kill you, I will come and find you. Um, then uh, the, the, the genius of, of generosity is really a fun thing to talk about. I used to be nervous about it uh, because, you know, people get antsy when you talk about money, and, and I'm going to go through some of those things, but uh, this message is obviously for believers. If you're not a believer yet and, and you, you always think the church is after you or your money and stuff, I, I get it. But this message is, is for believers, and specifically this message is for people who call hope their home. Um, and so if you call hope your home, man, I hope this uh, hits you good and I hope it challenges you and, and uh, that uh, God speaks. Um, the genius of generosity, you, if, that, if I were you, I'd be asking, what, what is that? You, what are you talking about, the genius of, of generosity? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So when Jesus says this, I mean, most of us who are adults, now if you're a kid, it's hard to understand this concept, and it's probably not true for all kids, but, but adults, I can just tell you that, that I would much rather give something than, than receive something. And it's not that I don't like receiving, it's just, man, the anticipation, if you've spent time or money uh, energy in getting a gift this Christmas. You're going to get one for your spouse or, or your kids or better yet, your grandkids. And you get to see them open the thing. I mean, I could care less what they give me. I don't want anything. <clears throat> but it is so much more of a blessing when you give. And, and many of us, and it's true in every area of our lives, but today specifically uh, as it relates to giving to the local church. Most of us know that it's more blessed to give than receive. We, we know, even if you're not a believer, you kind of know that it really feels good to, to give that waiter or waitress a, a, an extra tip, especially around, the, and I encourage you to do so, around the holidays. I mean, I mean, I mean like $100 or $200, whatever. You can't just say, hey, you know, let's, let's think about this and bless somebody. 
Man, it's, that's so much more cool and, 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 and feels good to do that than, than for somebody to do that for you. And today I'd like to help us get us thinking about our giving and about generosity in general, of course, to, to everyone, but specifically the local church. Now, a few things that if I were you, I might be thinking, this seems self-serving, John. You get your money from the church, right? So you're talking about money, you want to get more, so you can get more. Yeah, I totally get that. And it's not necessarily true. It could be true. But my goal, and, and I don't think it's wrong for me to tell you this, but my goal is to be the, the highest percentage giver in the church. So in other words, I may not give as much as you, but my goal is to give a higher percentage than you. So I'm going to challenge you to do that. I'm going to check your giving. I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to see who wins, okay? No, kidding. Uh, that's, you know, one, you know, I don't practice what I preach all the time, and it's hard to do that all the time. But in this particular area, it's so important to me that I lead the way in this particular discipline and, and actually blessing of giving. So it could be self-serving. But, but I hope you understand and give me the benefit of the doubt that it's not about me getting more. It's, it's about us doing what God calls us to do. That's, that's the first thing. Now, the second thing you might be thinking is the church always wants my money. And that may, again, that may or may not be true, but so does Walmart, Kroger, H-E-B, anybody and everybody that, that you go to, Girl Scouts, aren't they so cute? All they want is your money. They could care less. They could care less what cookie you want. Just buy from me, right? Everybody wants your money. And the third thing is that you just talked about money a few weeks ago in the, in the life, the life you've always wanted, the series. I just talked about this a few weeks ago, but you were slow to learn. So I got to repeat myself <laughs> again and again. Now, a few things about this as it relates to church. Let me just put them on the screen real quick. If money talk in the church is about survival rather than mission, there's probably an issue with the church. If all we're doing is, is say, hey, guys, you know, we got some bills to pay, and it's the end of the year. Could you mind helping us? we got to keep the lights on or whatever. And I'm not saying that's always wrong. There are times in which churches struggle and so forth. But if the talk is more about survival than mission, there is probably an issue. Because our giving to the local church is not about survival. It's not about me or, 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 or the lights or the buildings. But it really is about advancing the kingdom of God. It's about mission, and that's what Jesus, when he received money, and, and I don't know if you knew this, he was an itinerant rabbi, and in those days, rabbis would have followers, which were his disciples, and they would travel around. Well, guess who paid for that? The people who gave to Jesus when he taught. They would pay and give offering, and then he would travel around, and, and the disciples, there was a, a, a secretary and a treasurer a type person who would take care of the money, and they would pay for the food. They would do this and do that. That's, that's what happened. So um, it's about mission, not about survival. Now, the second thing, if, if money talk is driven by guilt and manipulation, there's an issue with the church. If it's about me getting you into headlock and making you feel guilty, because New Testament giving is all about grace giving. It, it's all about you decide, I decide in my heart what we're going to give, and then we get peace with God about that, and we give. It's not about me hammering you. It's not about me making you feel guilty, holding the fires of hell underneath every seat, trying to make you feel like you're going to be cursed if you don't give. And that's been done in the last 2,000 years. Of course it has. In fact, the Reformation, 
in the 1500s. Martin Luther, remember this story? Um, many think it was about grace, and it was totally, but the early beginnings of the Reformation were about money. He felt bad that the church was taking money for giving forgiveness. And that, that threw him for a loop. And he was like, man, this is, this is an abuse. This is not right that, that people are having to pay extra money in order to, to be forgiven by the priest. And, and so that was the early beginnings of the Reformation. So if there's guilt and manipulation involved, I'm just going to tell you, stay away from that. Stay away from that church and stay away from that leader or that pastor or evangelist, TV person or whatever. And the third thing is this. If biblical money talk makes you feel uncomfortable, there might be an issue with you. So there might be, and, and for valid reasons, some of us. Some of us have been abused by a church in some way or fashion, form or fashion. Some way, someone has mismanaged the funds in which you gave, and, and it just hit you wrong. And of course it hit you wrong. It should hit you wrong. And, and that's a scar that has been left on you. But to be honest, if, if you move that aside, talking about biblical money, and Jesus talked about money quite a bit in, in his teachings in, in the Gospels. And so if, it, if there's a problem with it, there might be an issue this way. And it may be a valid one that you need to move past or you need to move through and, and get healing and just say, God, I'm gonna leave that alone. That's your, you take revenge. It's your, in your hands. But a lot of times, it really, really does uh, affect us. And that begins to help us understand our heart. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this about, about our money. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So, so just, it's a matter of where your heart is. It's a matter of where that treasure is because where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. That's, and, and that's a true statement, whether you're a believer or not, that, that when your treasure is here on earth, whatever that might be in your, in your money, in your career, in your family, and whatever, and it, none of those things are necessarily evil, but when your heart is there rather than here, rather than on the things above, rather than the kingdom of God, there's an issue. And your heart's in the wrong place. And so then you, and Jesus is just saying, hey, you need to get your heart in the right place. And one of the ways in which you do that is you don't keep storing up things and, and be stingy and selfish here, but you give it away and you think of, think of what matters to God, what matters to the heart of God. So here's where we're going for the next few minutes. We're going to take a look at at two chapters in the New Testament, Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, gives us some great principles as it relates to giving to a local church. And um, here's my heart on this. We're going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to give you a, a question. I'm going to ask you a question after each one of them. And then I'm going to put some challenges out there as it relates to giving here at Hope, and then we'll pray together. So that's where we're going. So um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9. The first one we're going to take a look at is in chapter 9. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly on a response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now let me ask you, with this in mind, um, this is the New Testament, in, in my opinion, this is, this is how... Um, we decide how we're going to give. We, we pray about it. We decide. We think about it. We look at our budget, and we just said, okay, this is what I can give. 
And we don't give in response to pressure. We don't give in response to manipulation or guilt or anything like that. But God loves a cheerful person when you give. Now, we'll take your money either way, but God likes your heart to be cheerful, right? He likes you to want to give. Here's the question. Here's the question. Have you prayed and thought about how much you should be giving? Now, again, I'm talking to believers, of course. I'm talking to people who call hope their home. But even if you don't call hope your home and you go to another church, I, this hopefully will encourage you within relationship to your church. But it's not do you want to give. Paul assumes that the people in Corinth wanted to give. Now, here's the backstory. Paul has been traveling around on missionary journeys, started in Jerusalem and went all the way over perhaps to Spain, but Rome, uh, Greece, Macedonia, Turkey, modern-day Turkey, um, all through that area of the world establishing uh, Christian churches. And in those churches, a few times, uh, the church in Jerusalem where everything kind of started was in heavy persecution. And the church was in desperate need of money. And so Paul would go around to the churches. He, he was in Macedonia, which is north of Greece, and then Greece, and Corinth is in Greece, and he's writing to the church in Corinth. And, he, and he's asking those churches, hey, we need to help the church in Jerusalem, the local church that's suffering. And he assumes that the people in Corinth, he doesn't even, it didn't even occur to him that nobody in the church would want to give, that they're like, no, we're not giving, we've done too much. He assumes that they want to give. Now, the question is, how much? That's always been a question in the church. And the Old Testament is, is, uh, is uh, the predominant way in which we gave was a tithe. So if you made $100,000, $10,000 belongs to God. If you made uh, $20, $2 belongs to God. Doesn't matter, the, the, doesn't matter the, the amount, it just matters the percentage. And that was a commandment. It was part of the law. Uh, it started before the law, and I thank God for many of us who in this church believe, okay, you know what, that's a good starting point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give 10%, but it's not a New Testament commandment. So I, I, if I hold that over you, which I'd love to, but I, I can't, it's not a New Testament principle. It's just, I mean, a commandment, but it's a New Testament principle. Jesus talked about it, and, and it's a way in which. But, but you, you and I decide. We pray, and we look at our finance, and we say, okay, God, what would you have me give? And the question that I have is, is not just how much, but do you have a plan? I mean, in this area, when I lived in Nashville, I had a, I lived in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is a little bit north of Nashville, and we had almost an acre, uh, about two-thirds of an acre you know, on this house, and my property taxes for the last year that I was there was 900 and something dollars a year. That was, my, that was my property taxes. When I moved to this area, guess what? I was shocked. And my house wasn't that big, but, but when we first moved here over in Plantation, it was on Knoxville Lane, and, and I'll never forget. I was like, what? How, I mean, and now? It's crazy. Now, let me just ask you a question. Some of you have it built into your payment, and that's just part of it, and that may be a good way to do it, but I don't. And so if I don't plan for that, how many understand there's a problem? Property taxes where I live are unbelievable. We should be driving on streets of gold. 
you know, I'm kidding. I know we need, you need more, and so take it, whatever. But my point is, you got to plan for that. You, you've got to plan for those things. But, and, and I just wonder sometimes, are we budgeting so that we can give? I was with some friends. Rick Gannon was here a few weeks ago. Remember that? I took him out to eat um, uh, at uh, the Shops of Le- or no, the Legacy West. And we were sitting at a table, and, and some people from the church were at another table with their parents, parents and so forth. And I, the waiter comes over when I'm getting ready to pay, and they said, hey, your bill's been taken care of. And I knew who it was, and so I went back, and I said, man, thank you so much. Hey, you know what? That's fine. And I talked to them later in the lobby uh, the next week. And he actually says, you know what? We have it in our budget to do that. When God puts it on our hearts and we see people, and a lot of times it's older people, but we have that on our budget when we see them that we want to pay their meal. It's in our budget. In other words, we plan to do it. And let me just ask you a question. Do you plan to give? Second passage of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, I want you to know, know, dear brothers and sisters, what God and his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles, and they are very poor. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it out of their own free will. In other words, there's no pressure, no manipulation. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for, or hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. They gave more than they could afford. This is about sacrificial giving. Let me ask you the question, and I think this is a valid one, and here it is. Is what I am giving ever sacrificial? I mean, is it ever a, a, a point in which we go without something in order to give? When God puts it on our heart to, to help, when God puts it on our heart to give in, in a, in a uh, regular or consistent way, is it ever sacrificial? Jesus tells and shows his disciples in Mark chapter 12, he, he gives them an example Verse 41, here's the story. Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything She had to live on. There are times when God moves us out of our financial comfort zone to give that's sacrificial. Maybe we're expecting an end-of-the-year bonus and and we're just like, uh, you know, thinking of all the things that we can do with it. And God says, you know what, I'd like for you to A, I'd like for you to B. And it's like, oh, wow, you know, then then I wouldn't be able to do what I want to do. Many times we sponsor a child in another part of the world, and, and we have to go without some coffee um, that we buy at a store and we make it at home. There's, there's sacrificial, and I know that's not really sacrificial, that's first world problems, but, <laughs> but there are things in which, and times in which we, we sacrifice. I remember in the beginning of our church, <clears throat> this is the first time we were building a building on this property here at Rolliter. We bought the, the land 
and um, we were getting ready to start the building process, and so we were going into the first fundraising thing of our church history. And I remember I didn't have any money. I didn't have any extra money, like, like per month or, or whatever. I mean, I was driving a school bus uh, in those days, making ends meet and trying to, you know, take, I had four kids. Melissa, you know, wanted four kids. So anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm kidding, totally kidding. Love my kids. But I remember, and all the financial planners in the room are going to talk to me and send me an email later, but one of my retirement accounts I emptied out. And because I knew as a leader, I said, man, I gotta lead the way. And I know that's a terrible plan. I know for, I mean, in, in all, I mean, in 99% of the cases, you never do that. You never touch that. It was all I had. It was all, it was all we could do. And it was a sacrifice. But, but that's sometimes what God calls us to do. And I'm not suggesting that you do that at all. But I'm just saying, there are times in which it hurts. There are times in which God calls you to do something, and, and it's a sacrificial kind. Not all the time. Not all the time. But there are some times, let me ask you the question, are you open to sacrificing something for, for someone else? Are you, are you ever open to the sacrificial type of, of giving that this widow and that this church in Macedonia operated in? Third thing, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. So we have urged Titus to encourage your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Let me ask you the question. Do we excel in the act of giving? He gives us a list, and many of us, I've heard this before, hey, John, I don't give a lot of money, but I will give, I'll volunteer my time. And, and thinking that that's going to take the place. And, and that's not really the way the Lord in, calls us to give in, in the realm of money. It's not that we can replace it. Now, some of you have nothing. Some of you are single parents, maybe, or maybe you've just lost your job. And so none of this is in any kind of spirit to make anybody feel guilty or wrong or bad. It's just a matter of what, how does the word teach us to give to the local church? And I think it's important that, that there, are, there are times in which we excel in, in, in teaching, we excel in leading a Bible study, we excel in parking cars, we excel in giving of our time, our, our energy, even our talent here on the stage in some form or fashion. But do we excel in giving? I want that to be true of my life, that I excel in this area. And I wonder if we ever have thought about as Paul encourages the church in Corinth, he's re actually reminding them of the promise that they made to give. And then he's saying, hey, man, I want you to, you, you, you excel in a lot of ways, but I want you to think about excelling in this ministry of giving. Last one, fourth one, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1. There are many more, actually, in this passage, but I'm just giving you four. I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. Now, that's a weird place to stop, but hopefully if you understand my point, it's not. And here's the question. Is where I am giving advancing God's kingdom? Now, this is a good question. This is an important question if we're believers. 
is where we are giving, advancing God's kingdom because we give to a lot of places. North Texas is not necessarily a selfish, you know, all me, it's all about my family. Many of us give in a variety of ways to all kinds of things. Maybe you like pets or, you know, animals and you give to SPCA. Maybe you give to a hospital of some sort. But let me ask you, is where you are primarily giving, advancing God's kingdom? For, because as a believer, this is one of the most important things that we're not just giving a cup of cold water, but we are actually doing it with the gospel. It's not just about helping the poor, although that's important, and we do. It's about, is it, is it, is it tied to Jesus? Not, not as a, hey, we're not going to give you this meal unless you listen to my teaching. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But is there a, a love of Jesus attached to what we are giving? The gospel is accompanied by our gift. Is where, where we are giving, it's not just giving to a good cause, that we feel like we, we should. And I encourage you to do those things. I do those things. But is where we are giving, advancing God's kingdom? And these are questions. These are questions that really matter. Because this area, we do give to a lot of places and we give to the food banks and we need to do that. But are we also giving to the local church in, in which the, the kingdom of God is advancing through missions all around the world, through the ministries of the local church right here in our area. That's why we do what we do. That's why we build campuses. It's not because I want to just build something or build some kind of kingdom. It's because people matter to God since day one. I've said that. People matter to God. If they matter to God, they matter to me. And they should matter to us. And that's why for generations now, this church, West, McKinney, Prosper, and wherever else we go, Salina, Savannah, uh, Melissa, Anna, all those areas that we may go someday, either planting a church or building a campus or starting a campus, it matters. And the only reason that we do that, can I just tell you, the only reason that we do that is to advance God's kingdom in the hearts of people far from God. That's why we give. That's why we do what we do. So here are my challenges. Here are my challenges as it relates to the local church. If you're not giving at all, start somewhere. I encourage you. If you're a believer and a part of hope, then I encourage you to start somewhere. And the way that you do that is, secondly, you ask God and think about how much you should give. What should I give? Pray about it with your spouse. Think about the, the questions that I ask. Do I excel in this ministry? Is where I'm giving advancing the kingdom? Or is it simply helping people or animals? Those are, those are important questions to not, again, not feel guilty about, but to get serious about. Because this is, this is about lordship as much as anything. Is he going to be the lord of eternity only? In other words, forgiving us of sin, or is he going to be the lord of every area of our lives? So, um, you know, uh, last year, end of last year, about this time, we... we announced that we're starting the, the Prosper campus uh, as far as building. We'd already started the, the, the church. And um, the walls are going up just in the next few weeks. And it's exciting. They're trying to get it shelled in by the end of December so that the winter it's not so uh, weather-related as it relates to the inside of, of what we're doing. Um, and, and our heart is to build this debt-free. We have a 
I, we're not the largest church in the, in the world or in the area even, but we have a pretty large church. Earth, I mean, literally a lot of people that come to this church. 15, 16,000 people we'll have uh, on Christmas Eve. Easter, we had, I don't know what it was, 15,000, whatever it was. So there's a lot of people that, that call church a hope their home on a weekly basis. Thousands across all the campuses call this their home. So when I give numbers like this, it just seems like, whoa, that's a lot of money. And it is, but there's a lot of people. So uh, last year, I said, hey, man, we want to we wanna build this campus debt-free if we can in two years. And to do that, we have to raise $10 million. On pace right now for this past year that we've been through right now and then the next year, so that's 2023, we're on pace for $6 million. And that's awesome. Six million. If when we started Hope, if you would have told me my budget alone would be six million, I would have been like, "What? I've never seen that much money." We're trying to raise ten, though. So here's what my challenge for us is on this Prosper. If you've yet to give to Prosper, would you consider joining us in building this campus debt-free? Would you consider? If you're not giving anything, I would say start with the general fund and just say, hey, God, I'm gonna start right here. But if you are giving to that and you're like, man, I've not been giving to Prosper at all, would you consider that? Would you pray about helping us build this thing debt-free? The second question is, if you have already fulfilled your goal, would you consider raising your goal significantly? So many, many of us, I, I gave that, that, that $5,000 for two years. I said, if we have like four or 5,000 giving units here at Hope. In other words, families that give. If a guy could just get 2,000 to give five, that would be $10 million over two years, we'll do it. But uh, we've got about 600 right now that are, that are giving to Prosper. And I'd like to see that go up so that we can get this thing debt-free. So would you consider, if you've already given your pledge and say, hey, I already paid my 5,000. Well, you know, some of us could give 10 times that. It wouldn't even matter. I mean, would, I mean, wouldn't even affect our what we're doing in the world. Some of us perhaps sacrificing a little bit. So I just leave that in your hands to, to this week pray and just say, God, what, what, do you, what would you have me give in general? And then as a part of hope, here's what we're doing. Now, again, this is all about lordship. And if you're here today or watching online at one of our campuses and, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. All, all that we do here and all that we are talking about, the reason I talk about money is, is, is because of it's a part of the Christian life. It's a discipline of the Christian life. If you love Jesus, this is part of what we grow in, just like prayer, service, and so forth. But, but if you've never accepted Jesus, you've never crossed the line of faith, the, the reason that we do all that we do here is so that you could have a chance that if your life is not what you thought it would be when you graduated high school and you embarked on adulthood and the way that you've been working it, it's not working. Maybe it has been working. Maybe you're up and to the right in every area of your life, but there's something missing. There's a peace, there's a joy. And that, believe me, I, I know you've probably heard this before, but that can only be filled by what God has to offer, by what Jesus did on the cross, forgiving us of our sins and reconciling us to the Father. There's something that supernaturally happens that fills our lives. 
even when we're challenged or even when we're successful. There's something there that matters. Now, if you have not made Jesus Lord in the area of giving, I make no apology. I want to encourage you to do that. Is he the Lord of every area of your life? Is he, or has he just saved you? When I say just saved you, that's a big deal. But, but and there's no, there's nothing that we can do to earn our way to, to heaven. So if you never give a dime, you'll still go to heaven if you accepted Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever would believe would not perish and have everlasting life. Amen. It's not about you doing something in order to get to heaven. But when you do that, and when we cross that line of faith, there's something that happens in us. The Holy Spirit comes in, he begins to transform us, and we grow in a lot of areas. Holiness, pursuing God's will for our lives, which includes giving, includes praying, includes our hearts, includes gratitude, and so forth. We grow in those areas. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord over your life in giving, and I want to encourage you to do that. Because that's the genius of generosity. It is more blessed to give. We are more blessed when we give than when we receive. God, your word is challenging, but yet it is so life-giving. God, I pray that as a church that we would excel in this ministry of giving, that we would ask ourselves the tough questions, that we would not get ruffled, we would not get uh, angry, we would instead say, God, what, what are you speaking to me? Because I have the potential to excel. You've blessed me so much. Some families in this church, we have been so blessed. But yet, like the story where the widow and Jesus was sitting at the, the box, we throw in a little, tiny part of our surplus we could be excelling in that. Father, I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, not for any other reason than because we love you and we want you to be the Lord of every area of our lives. For my friends who have never crossed the line of faith, I pray that today would be their day. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.